Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? July 9th edition of the Fightful MMA podcast. We are coming to you right after UFC 213 and yesterday's Ultimate Fighter uh, 25 Redemption finale. Joining me, as always, on these post-show podcasts is the one and only managing editor for Fightful. Is it senior managing editor now or just managing editor or the guy that just pisses off Jimmy Van, Sean Rossap? I, I wonder if I can get Jimmy Van to, like, change my title. Like, can I be senior editor, editor-in-chief? Like, there's nobody above me on the site. Like, nobody's <laughs> editing my stuff outside of, you know, I mean, well, people are editing my stuff, but I'm I'm above it. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Exhausted is what you could label me right now, and I still have tomorrow's WWE Great Balls of Fire to go. Lots of stuff for you. Oh, that's your favorite name, isn't it? Favorite name for a show? It's the shittiest pay-per-view name in the history of wrestling. Well, speaking of that uh, four-letter word with ist at the end of it, um, lots to talk about today. Um, or on this podcast. Guys, don't forget, live chat is up top right of your screen. By all means, any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, anything you like, throw it up there. Uh, we will try to get to it throughout the show. Um, we'll talk about right off the bat with uh, Uel Romero taking on Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker instantly. Uh, I was going to WhatsApp message you right away or, or, or text you uh, my thoughts instantaneously because I did see Uel Romero land that you know, sidekick that people hate in mixed martial arts. They can't stand it when John Jones does it. It is a legal technique. Uh, and it is designed to hurt your opponent. It is designed to hurt your opponent's knee. And is it, it is designed for someone that doesn't want to deal with someone striking to take away the mobility and the footwork of an opponent. So you got to give kudos to Yoel Romero for throwing that technique because it sort of was supposed to immobilize Robert Whitaker. It did it because Bobby Knuckles is a bad human being. Uh, and I, I think it's safe to say that you're probably going to label him as the best middleweight on this planet. Oh, without a doubt. I already tweeted that. I'll probably write something about that as well. I think it it is, and I I can't say enough about Robert Whitaker. But but let me ask you this, Joe. Before April fifteenth, how many people were out there saying Robert Whitaker can beat any one hundred and eighty five pounder in the world? Because I'm pretty sure there were two people: Robert Whitaker and your boy. I'm going to say this. 
I'm going to say this. Uh, I'm actually looking for uh, something's telling me my microphone is extremely hot. So give me one second here. Yeah, just, just pull it out a little bit. No big deal. Just extend it out from your face a little bit. You'll be all right. Is that worse or better? There you go. Yeah, much better. There all you right. go. But uh, well, let me let me let me, I, let me play off that point because I want to say this: we started this company, or we started working for this company uh, a year ago, uh, and I'll never forget the first couple of weeks, if not the first month of the podcast, and the amount of championing that you were doing about Robert Whitaker. And every time mm-hmm. he won over the past year, I'd make a point of saying the only person really that was just singing the praises of Robert Whitaker was you because no, no, not many people were doing it, but that bandwagon got bigger and bigger more people were jumping on up until tonight's fight. And now everyone pretty much other than Michael Bisping is jumping on that Robert Whitaker bandwagon. You saw something uh, in Bobby Knuckles that many people did not believe in. Well, it's the thing that I saw in Gerald Harris a long time ago that I really liked. And it was more than anything, the stance in a wrestler, heavy middleweight division, where you've got the one hand up, you got the one hand low in order to to get the underhooks in. That that alone can take you a long way in, in that division. But when you evolve to the level of Robert Whitaker, I mean, keep in mind this is a guy who in June 2014 won his welterweight fight against Mike Rhodes in in New Zealand and was like, you know what? I just don't like the way that I feel at this weight division came back a few months later and decided to fight at middleweight against Clint Hester, who people thought was going to be something. People thought Clint Hester was going to be. Oh yeah. I remember him on the ultimate fighter. I thought he was going to be big time, huge in the UFC. Yeah. And what what Robert Whitaker did to him, sent him on a downward spiral. Uh, Clint Hester never recovered after that. Then he would face, it was, it was the tests that were put in front of him, the Tavares fight. And Tavares is a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades, as, as we've seen, and he starched him in 45 seconds. Uriah Hall, who could, on any given night, beat anybody if he pulls the trigger, he gets beat. Uh, Natal, that's a formidable opponent, ran through him. Derek Brunson made Derek Brunson look like an amateur fighter. Maybe Derek Brunson made himself look like an amateur fighter. But then when he stopped the takedowns of uh, Jacare Souza and didn't have an issue, I was like, yeah, I think he can beat Yoel Romero. Now, the thing is, Joe, you, you look at this, and you – He's fighting on one leg against an Olympic medalist who has been known to do some shit in his day. His physique is suspect. He's down two rounds to none. Like, Romero's up two rounds to none. And traditionally, Romero has his most success in the third round. He's got six third-round finishes. That's where he gets his finishes, yep. And these two guys... Uh, a few, several years ago, we're competing 35 pounds apart from one another. That's movie level stuff, that type of comeback. On one leg, no selling it, not letting not letting Romero know, throwing kicks, ab- abandoning all like all shits to give. That I can't say enough about Robert Whitaker and what he accomplished. But it, it's not I, I tout the stance and all that stuff that he has. It's the work that he puts in, and like I can't remember the last like the, these last three Robert Whitaker fights have just been unbelievable. Yeah, this and his was, first two at his first two at middleweight were awesome too. Yeah, well, okay, so the the Derek Brunson one was you know I I kind of looked at that Derek Brunson one and thought I thought yeah Brunson you screwed up I mean it's a five round fight you went in there just balls out and and Whitaker was like yeah you know what I'm technically better than you uh, I'm gonna just pinpoint strike you and knock you out. 
that Jacare fight was the one that I was just like, oh my god, like Whitaker is a bad, bad man. So heading into this fight, I believed more in Whitaker than I did going into the Romero fight. So I'm not overly surprised that he merged victorious. I did give the edge to Romero because I still think Romero is a bad, bad, bad human being. Uh, just a crazy, crazy fighter. But Whitaker is something else, man. Whitaker is, 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 is Whitaker the best 185 pounder in the world. Yeah, I believe so. I know Bisping at the very end there, and better than Carvalho. Yeah, <laughs> just a tad. Yeah, but Carvalho. I, <laughs> I'm sitting there and thinking to myself. You know, I, I get what Bisping's doing. I get what Bisping does, but that was, I mean, you're a pro wrestling guy. Was that tad lame? What? What? Sorry. What did he do? Oh, the the, the, yeah. When, when Bisping came in, threw down the belt and said, fight me for it. Does that mean he vacated it? I hope so. <laughs> Dana grabbed that belt real quick. Dana was like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, that was Michael Bisping thinking he was doing something great, but he just looked like a tryhard. You, you know that he played that over and over and over in his head repeatedly. And Michael Bisping, like, I don't know. What what can you say? He, he handpicked the one guy he defended this title against. He won it fair and square. He won that UFC middleweight championship. But in the 13 months that, have, that have, have followed, he has not been a middleweight champion, in my opinion. Um, so the whole thing with Bisping is when he's, he's so he's naturally witty. Okay, I, I've I've hung around Mike mm-hmm. with Mike with, with mutual friends on numerous occasions. He's a witty guy. Um, when he tries too hard, doesn't come across properly. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, yeah. when, he, when he's just Michael, it's actually funnier. It's more legit. Sometimes it has more emotion. Totally do not agree with him ripping up the Cuban flag. Uh, I, that. That, I mean, there there are – I don't know how to say it. I mean, there are rules again – not rules, but you never take another country's flag and rip it up. That's just – that's a no-no. Um, who was the guy yesterday that, that ripped apart all uh, all Englishmen? Um, Jakar Close. Jakar yeah. Close just like, what are you doing? Like, you can't do that kind of stuff. You can't get racial. You can't go after other countries. Like, that's just stupid. Hey, if you um, want to do it, do it like our boy Matt Riddle did. <laughs> what, what did he do? You remember uh, when he talked about how the he was uh, in the UK and someone spit and it landed in his mouth? It was after 149. The greatest yeah. post-fight interview or the greatest press conference interview, like this side of Conor McGregor was that guy. Yeah, it was. It's also I want to know what was your reaction? What did what went through your head the first time that Robert Whitaker? stood up from a Yoel Romero takedown because in my head it's like he's not going to be held down the rest of the fight that's immediately what I thought I was like if Romero couldn't keep him down the first time then knowing Romero he's not going to be able to at any other point throughout this fight again I was I was way more impressed okay going to that Jacare fight I was impressed that what he did with Jacare. Like you're not, I'm not, you're not going to submit me. You're not going to hold me down. So I went into this fight with with Romero, thinking that Whitaker's going to some way somehow figure it out, and he did it very well. As the fight progressed, there was I think it was in the second round, second or third round. I actually tweeted it out. Um, 
everything that he was doing from the ground when he was on his back to when he finally disengaged. There are various techniques. There are various hand positions. There are various hip positions. There are various places to put your leg in to put your weight. Every single one of those techniques, it's it's almost like uh, it, it builds to the next one. You can't get to the, to the third part of that exit if you don't get number one and number two correct, because everything you do in that situation, you know this, Sean, everything you do in that situation, your opponent can counter. And he did one thing and was ready for the two or three other counters. Once it was given to him, he did the other thing. And then he waited, and slowly but surely, he moved his way up through the maze and then disengaged. And I thought to myself, this is magical stuff. This is Admiral. This is fantastic. You're doing this against a guy that won a silver medal uh, at the Olympics and is considered an absolute beast uh, by the vast. I mean, Yoel Romero is the guy that I feared that George St. Pierre would have to fight if he was to fight Michael Bisping and potentially yeah. beat Michael Bisping. And now I'm thinking, dude, you don't want to fight Robert Whitaker. Like, that dude's a bad dude. So, oh, I, I think is very Robert Whitaker is going to kick the living shit out of Michael Bisping. Like, like extreme, like real bad. Yeah, I think it'll be real bad. By the way, guys, follow us at Fightful MMA on Twitter. Steve Muehlhausen will be tweeting the the press conference, which have become insufferable to sit through at this point because you got to wait for each individual guy, then five to ten minutes in between. So just follow us over at Fightful MMA. Yeah, on Twitter, it's the best best way to do it. Now, obviously, Joe, we got to talk about the Amanda Nunes thing. That was supposed to be our main event. Yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Because I know that you got back kind of late and saw the fallout. Yeah, so I mean, it, it was a family day um, with 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 the wife, my son, uh, and her parents. We went to this um, you know beautiful place uh, in in mid Toronto. Um, I look at my phone. Amanda Nunes is out of the fight. I was just like, "Are you kidding me? Like, what's happening here? Like, what? What happened?" And I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I'm texting a few people. I'm checking social media. Uh, I'm just, what's happening here? And all I got was the same information. She got sick yesterday. Went to the hospital today or, or yesterday or today. And then they know what. And then I'm finding out she's medically cleared to compete. And I'm like, okay, good. She's medically cleared. Everything is fine. She may have had who knows what it was. She's fine. She's going to fight. And then I get that thing with Dana White saying, uh-uh, it ain't going to happen. She's out. She's not fighting. I'm like, what do you mean she's not fighting? She's medically cleared. I want to know what the heck happened here. Like, you better have a damn good reason something happened. Because either you uh, something bad must have happened or you're not mentally strong enough to deal with being a champion and fighting a contender. Uh, I hope nothing like, you know, there, there's no death in the family or anything like that. I mean, how many people have we seen recently that have had deaths in the family the week of fight week or the morning of, and then they still compete? Like, what happened yeah. here? You know, like, I don't know well, what I mean, it is, I, but it's strange. I can't assess how she's feeling. I can't do that. I mean, it's hard for me to put it on, put put it down and say, well, she felt too bad, but she like she should or shouldn't have fought. I don't know how she felt. I do know one thing. If she felt ill throughout this week, that's the type of thing you have to tell the UFC. Because if you tell the UFC, they can have a Jessica I, they can have a Leslie Smith, they can have a Lauren Murphy, they can have a Joanna Yanjacek <laughs> willing to fight as psychotic as she is. Now, really, there's not a lot more that we can say. Amanda Nunes isn't a wuss. She's not scared of fighting anybody, especially no. someone she beat. Now, I we got to talk about the the Lauren, the Lauren Murphy, the the Leslie Smith, the Jessica I, who didn't offer to take the fight. We heard nothing from her, but the Joanna Yanjacek's. 
were these offers real? Was it posturing? Because either way, I mean, it doesn't make Ioana look any damn worse. When it comes to Ioana, I'm 100% convinced that's a legit put me in there. Offer. Yeah, put me yeah. in there. I'll do it because she's a gangster. Like she is just an absolute, you know, I don't like using the word savage because it's so played out nowadays. She's a freaking savage. Like I I know you that you're the, the 150 pound, 115 champ. You're willing to go in there and fight someone two weight classes above you, even though you're technically potentially walking around at that weight. Yeah. And I'm and like, the thing is, I think that she figured we're going to fight each other at 125 eventually anyway. Let's just do it and not cut the weight. Thanks. But here, here's one thing that I just pointed out. Kimbo and Dada were medically cleared too. Touche. Touche. And one of them died in the ring. It's, there I, are two I, people. Two people competed in that fight. One of the men are now dead. Rest in peace, Kimbo. And it wasn't the person who died in the ring. But both of them may have technically, at some point, died because of that fight. Isn't that psychotic? You never. You just never know. Now, was Amanda Nunes in the physical condition of either one of those two? No. But we don't know how sick she is. She might have gotten hit once in the body and just Justine keished herself. Like for all that we know, like it could have happened. <laughs> Shit happens. That's terrible. But, um, that's so bad. Yeah, I don't. And, <laughs> and then Bob Bennett says, Bob Bennett says, well, they couldn't have done that. It was too late to do that. Well, hold on, hold yeah. on, hold on, hold on. Who's to say that Shevchenko didn't say, uh, uh-uh, I ain't fighting her. That's too risky. Well, Shevchenko said that she wanted to. Shevchenko tried to get it done. Not only that, Shevchenko tried to say, let's do it at 125. And I was like, that's not the way this works. No. You can't do that. You can't cut 10 pounds the day of. You can't. And she said, make it for a belt. And I'm like, okay. So, that's like, you're saying. just throwing they- weird stuff around now. Yeah. But- I'll fight her, but blah, 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 which means I- I'm not going to fight her. Right? Yeah. But, I mean, she seemed all for it. She did seem all for it. Apparently, oh, they're going to try to, to rebook that fight. Um for Edmonton, yeah. So, yeah, uh, in Edmonton, very far away from me. <laughs> so, all you, all you people, hit me up. All you Canadians, hit me up on social media if I'm going to be at that event. Probably not. Uh, here's a, here's a funny one. You know, my wife and I are coming to Toronto in a couple of weeks. She said, "How close is Vancouver to Toronto?" <laughs> like, like people think that Canada is like one big mini mall. It, I'll, I'll tell you a quick <laughs> it's story. Not like before. Europe, which actually is. Yeah, it's it's you know Europe's completely. You you can take a flight from one country to three countries over for forty five bucks in Europe. You can't do that in Canada. You want to fly from Toronto to Vancouver, you're looking at seven hundred bucks, six hundred bucks. Um, I remember one time UFC was having had an event in Minnesota. Uh, I think it was the Brock Lesnar, um, Keith Herring fight, uh, if I recall correctly. And we're out there, we're doing our network partying, you know, hooking up with everybody, blah blah. blah. And we get to a bar and just sitting there, and we're talking, talking, talking. And these three girls roll up to us. I thought to myself, okay, this is going to be fun, right? Let's see if Joe still has his game. I'm kidding. I didn't, I didn't do that. I'm having a conversation, girl comes right out to me. She's like, where are you from? I said, I'm from just, uh, from just north of Toronto, right? She's like, Canada? I'm like, yeah, Canada. She's like, do you know Dave? I said, <laughs> do I know Dave? Yeah, Dave. Dave from Canada. He was here about a month ago. And I said... 
I look at my boys. I'm like, you got to get her away from me. This is not the brightest star in the sky. That that that's what I get sometimes when I travel. You know, Dave from Canada. Anyways, back to the yeah, to, to put to put a bow on our two title fights. Speaking of just grouping in entire countries, I want Yoel Romero and Alexis Villa to start a tag team. I saw two old Olympic Cuban Cuban dudes just chilling and wrestling and talking about gay Jesus. (laughs) That's terrible. I'll tell you one thing about those two guys, though. Uh, Every time, because because especially when Alexis fights, you all is in his corner. Um, those are like, I don't know how to word this. Like different. I mean, have you ever seen the show happy days from the seventies? Yeah. Unfortunately. Okay. Well, that's one of my favorite shows growing up. I'm 43. Damn. So what? Yeah. It was one of my favorite shows. So the Fonz Fonzarelli, he was the cool guy, right? Yoel yeah. and Alexis, when they're in the room, whether it's at the weigh-ins or whatever we're doing, they're like the two coolest guys in the room. They dress the best. They've got this aura about them. So when I saw you put that tweet out there that they should be a tag team, I'm like, what kind of name would you give them? Because they're like the coolest guys ever. <laughs> like they're the best guys you'll ever see in public. They're just like, whether it's women, they're both like, I think, well, I know you all are married, beautiful wife. Uh, Alexis, I don't know. But women flock to them. The dudes are always shaking their hands. I'm like, these, are the, these, guys, these guys are the Cuban Fonzarellis. I love them. Well, you got the, the speed and the little guy and Via, and you got the big bruiser and Romero. It's a classic tag team. Speaking of, before we move on, does Samoa Joe have a chance against Brock Lesnar tomorrow at WWE Great Balls of Fire? Jesus, you're asking me that question? Yeah, it's uh, so crazy for me to ask you a question about a fat Samoan facing Brock Lesnar. Like, that wasn't the first thing we ever talked about on a podcast a year ago, right? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same, Joe. Yeah. Am I wrong if I say no? The I don't know, it's, a, it's a pretty hot feud. It's really awesome. It's 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 really really good. Let's move on. What what'd you think of Overeem and Verdum? Uh, you seem to hate the decision. I didn't hate it so much. Stupid. I thought decision. it was. I thought it was a fitting, turdy ending to a turdy trilogy. If you give <laughs> true, if you give um, that was the finish we deserved. It really was. If you give Overeem <laughs> round one, okay, you give him round one, and you give him round two. Verdum in round three made it a ten-eight round to draw. Yeah, but that it's under the new draw. scoring, under the new scoring, yeah. Even under, they so they here's the thing. It. Here's the thing. Even under the old scoring, even under the old unified rules of MMA before they got changed, that is still a ten-eight round. Really? It's still a 10-8 round. Yeah. That's what people are forgetting. That is still a 10-8 round. He, the fight is a draw no matter what. At the bare minimum, that fight's a draw. But in my opinion, Verdun won that first round. So he gets Yeah, that was a close one. He gets it was fight. a close one. Even in the post-fight interview, Alistair backtracked on his words. Well, that first round was terrible. Uh, Verdun won that round. But I, I'm better than Verdun. I won that round. I'm like, dude, you just backtracked. You just gave it away because you, you, if you say that your opponent won the first round and you got smashed in the third round, we do the math. You lose the fight. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that decision was gifted from the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Here you go, Overeem, for no reason. A guy they've suspended pretty, before. Pretty terrible performance from both guys, in my opinion. And, you know, Ver, I'll just say it, and I don't know if it's age or this, but 
Verdum has never looked the same since USADA came to town. Touche. He never has. In, in the two years since USADA's been around, he's never looked the same. Now, granted, he's hit, like, what, 40 now? That could be it. Any so I don't want to sit there and accuse him of being on some stuff. I'm not doing that. But the man is about to hit, he hits Johnny 40 Hendricks. this month. Yeah, the same thing with Johnny Hendricks. Ever since USADA came around, you know, things have changed. Um, yep. Verdum, in my opinion, okay, I know it's it's you know no one's gonna believe me, no one's gonna agree with this, no one's gonna whatever. This is a guy that fought as if he had put money on himself to win a decision because he had Overeem pretty much on the fritz. He was going out. You just keep punching or kneeing him, he's going to be unconscious, or the referee is going to stop the fight. And to prevent that, he takes him down to the ground. Like, what the hell was that? Like, where is your fight IQ? You have a guy, you're about to finish a guy. No, take him down to the ground. Put him down here. We'll, we'll stay here for another two and a half minutes. Happens all the time. We see it all the time in MMA, unfortunately. Yeah, we have. I mean, that that's just, I mean, a friend of mine was tweeting about people's, you know, fighters fight IQ and how Verdum arguably is one of the worst. I'm like, that was terrible. You know, Travis Brown's another example. I don't know what the heck he was thinking today, but... He looked, he looked real promising early. We'll, we'll go ahead and talk about that fight. Uh, Travis Brown, first off, he's going to get a six-figure offer from Bellator. <laughs> I saw that coming. He will get a six-figure offer. Because last year, he finished the guy that just beat Fedor. He's getting that that offer. But it's the curse of Edmund. And the, the shame is, the sad thing is, well, first off, Josh Barnett can't save anybody, whether it's Shayna, whether it's Marina, whether it's Jessamine. He can't save any of them. Edmund fucks them up so bad that you can't save any of them. And we're talking like Jessamine, who at one point was one of the most promising, not 135, 145-pound prospects in the game as an amateur. One of the most promising. Shayna Baszler, a pioneer. Travis Brown, who had some of the best at one point, some of the best footwork among heavyweights that I'd ever seen. They go to Edmund. And you know, it's funny because you can see the Rousey influence in a lot of them when they land judo throws, which apparently Travis Brown can't stop judo shit that shouldn't work in MMA, judging by tonight's fight. But in some of their cases, you see the Rousey influence, but then you start to see the striking and how none of them strike at range. They all strike in the pocket. They all throw their their, their fist by their, their waist. Like It's like he coaches power over technique, and you, you can't always do that. As a heavyweight, you're going to have the power. At In the 135-pound women's division, power is not that much of a factor. It was in some of Rousey's fights. But now you're looking at a Travis Brown who has lost five of six. He's lost four in a row. And it ain't looking any better. Now, I thought that his footwork initially looked pretty good. His The teeps and stuff, pretty good. That's an improvement over what we had seen before. It looked like he was pacing himself, but then the same thing that always happens to him happened. He got cracked, and he was never the same after that. Don't reply as to why my six-and-a-half-year-old son was up watching this pay-per-view with me or watching the, <laughs> watching the prelims so late because he did watch the Travis Brown fight with me. And the first thing he said to me, he said, Daddy, why does your friend have something black on his ankle? I looked, and I said, 
uh, maybe his ankle just wants to keep it stabilized. He has an ankle brace on there. He's like, how come he doesn't wear two, one on the other side as well? I looked at him. I said, shit. Maybe he's <laughs> nursing an injury. And then yeah. I looked. And, but why wouldn't you? But why wouldn't you? Okay. And then I'm paying attention to Travis's footwork. Like He's looking okay. And my son says to me, your friend walks funny. And I'm looking. I'm like, he doesn't look that good. It looks like his yeah. knees are about to just go the other way. Like in the one fight, I forgot which fight he had, uh, the Antonio Silva fight. He went into that fight as a heavy favorite. He was on that huge roll. And then boom, his knee goes out. And I said, this guy's knees and ankles, his legs are toast. And as I'm watching this fight, I see some of your tweets. I see some of the other tweets. You know, he's looking pretty good, looking pretty good. And around the two-minute, two-minute, ten-second mark, even before he got cracked, that output that he was on drastically reduced. And I'm like, yeah. this, this, what's happened to him? It's almost like he's turned into a two-minute fighter in a 15-minute sport. I joke about Dennis Seaver being a 10-minute fighter in a 15-minute sport. BJ Penn being a five-minute fighter in a 10-minute sport or a 15-minute sport. Travis Brown's cardio was like, how do you not have cardio? I know you're a heavyweight, but how do you not have cardio for 15 minutes? How do you not know to not swing for the fences no matter what? Because if you don't knock this guy out, you've got a full 50 minutes in this fight. How do you know that when you're hurting a guy standing up and a guy on the ground that's that's an absolute what, what's his nickname the boa constrictor? Like yeah. you don't a forty a forty year old man who has won like fourteen or fifteen fights. You don't go to the ground with this guy. He taps people out with scarf holds, scarf holds, and Ezekiel's. Why would you go to the ground with him? The only loss he has was like a clo- kind of a close one uh, last year, and that was a majority decision. Other than that, he's been on this streak where he's beaten guys like Monson and Mirko Krokop outside of the UFC. Then he steps into the UFC and has finished four of five guys. Now that, and meanwhile, he's he's won four or five. He's the number fifteen guy in the world. Travis Brown, Andre Arlovsky, still above him. I, I won't bitch about the rankings, but. Use our Fightful.com rankings, you guys. David Tease does a great job on those. Don't use UFCs. Great for Alexi Olenek. Uh, I'm ready to get him in the top 10, get, get him a fight. Uh, uh, I'd say get him a fight in the top 10. This was a fight in the top 10. This was. Uh, so I, I'm ready to get him somebody else. Give him uh, Derek Lewis, if Derek Lewis wants to fight somebody. Amanda Nunes just tweeted something out or Instagram something out. It's nothing major. Sorry to, all, sorry to all my true fans. The fight will be rescheduled and I'll, I'll be back at 100%. So she hasn't really said anything. Yeah. Oh, man. What else we got on the show? Anthony Pettis looked outstanding. He's going to have to have hand surgery though. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me one bit. I'm, I, you know what? I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of impressed with Anthony. I'm not really impressed with Anthony because, you know, even leading up to this fight, I asked you the question because I, I didn't mean to be disrespectful to either gentleman, um, but I asked you, should Jim Miller and Anthony Pettis still be in the UFC? Because considering what that division looks like, and yes. you said, yeah, you were adamant. Yes, 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 yes. yes. You, know, we, you watch this fight here, and you realize these guys are amazing. Like, they yeah. put on a great performance, but Anthony's reaction time to me is still slowed down because in the beginning of that fight, the first three strikes that Jim Miller landed were 
were pretty bad. The low leg kick, then the left hand, the way Hafiel Dos Anjos did against um, uh, Anthony Pettis, where he busted up his orbital bone. And then he landed another inside uh, left leg kick, and then he continued it. I'm like, Anthony's reaction time isn't looking good here. But eventually, he was able to turn it around and do a fantastic job picking apart Jim Miller, ending up winning that decision. So I'll give Anthony you know, Pettis kudos uh, for that for that victory and for that um, you know for that performance because I, I I kind of I guess I kind of gave up on him uh, especially when he went down to 145. But you know, in his post fight interview, he made it clear: if you're a fighter, fight in your weight class. Don't be stupid. You and I both said him fighting at 145 was always stupid. Yeah, and. The thing is, like, his reaction time, he didn't have to react to a lot after that because he stayed on the outside and he picked Jim Miller apart. He used great takedown defense. His footwork looked much better, which I think that had more to do with his takedown defense than any particular hole he had in his takedown defense. A lot of it was footwork. He would cross his feet up a lot, and he would would get caught. So – I think that I think it was a very good, uh, very good performance by him. Jim Miller was coming off of a. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He, he had lost to Poirier by majority decision, but before that, he won three in a row. And a Jim Miller fight, you just never know who's going to win. He's in that that group of 155ers where if you did a round-robin tournament, they would all end up with even one-loss records. It's just That's just uh, how it is. Like You look at that division, and I already wrote a feature on it. It's up on Fightful.com, you guys. Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz seem to fight when they want. And it looks like Habib and Ally Quinta are in that boat. Dos Anjos and Cerrone left. But you got new blood in Gaethje and Kevin Lee. You got Ferguson, Barboza, Eddie Alvarez as proven commodities. And having a Showtime Pettis in there, looking like he did tonight, that to just toss in there, also it gives them a lot more flexibility. Like, what if somebody falls out a week and a half before? Anthony Showtime Pettis ain't that far off one at 155. They can throw him in there. That's very good. And this was a situation earlier this week we were discussing, was Sergio the better brother? That's thrown into question a little bit more. I don't see uh, Anthony Pettis on a decline anymore. And when, when you look at his competition over the past few years, you kind of give the guy a little leeway. We've seen what Max Holloway can do. Eddie Alvarez, Rafael Dos Anjos, Edson Barboza, and – the thing is, he catches them at the worst possible times in their career that yeah. he could ever catch those guys. What did you think of the pop and, that uh, we got from the crowd? I thought it was great. Promising is what that was. Promising, Promising for sure. And Yuana getting mad cheers. I loved it. Yeah, she should. She, here's a question that I asked. Is Yoana the greatest women's MMA fighter of all time? Is Yoana the greatest women's MMA fighter of all time? Too early to say. She's but I mean, got the, compared she's to got what the else lead. there is. She's got the lead right now. Yeah. Yeah, she's but I mean, as of right now. If Holly Holm would have won that title. 
right? Yeah, that had been close, but I mean, she didn't. Uh, Yoana, nobody's ever beat Yoana. She's mm-hmm. defended her title five times. If she does it a sixth time, she ties Rousey's record too. Because so, you know, five used to be kind of like the benchmark. Like they run this stuff. They run this. Uh, guys in the chat there, uh, Ole Samole, I see your comment there about John Jones. I'll get to that in a little bit. It's got me laughing. But you're right, dude. I'll My comment's it. about to make you laugh. Uh, he says, put John Jones 24, on 24-7 watch. He should never leave the hotel room. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree. We want to keep that UFC 214. Brandon Hughes is praying to the MMA gods, and nothing happens to that UFC 214 card. Uh, lots of CM Punk versus anybody card or stuff there. Yeah. Uh, what the hell are you writing, Sean? There, I'm not repeating that. There's not a lot else to talk about on this this uh, UFC 213 card. Great finishes by Trevin Giles, uh, Santos, Chad. Oh, about Rob Font. Rob Font. Tra- Chad Laprise, Rob Font. Chad Laprise looking good again. That's that's very good. Uh, Jordan Meehan, those cage miles caught up to him. But other than that, I mean, yeah. But you know I just want to say, situations. Like what happened today with Amanda Nunes is why the UFC loads up cards now. Why they put two to three title fights. They have to. And in turn, that's why we get shows, pardon my language, that are headlined by fucking Santiago Ponzinibbio. Yeah. Yeah. And Gunnar Nelson. Both outstanding fighters, neither of which should be headlining a show anywhere. Even if it's at Gunnar Nelson's house, backyard <laughs> next to his pool, somebody else should be headlining that show. Yeah, this. I don't. I, okay, pardon the segue. I'll, I'll I'll wait till this this freaking contender series, Dana White's contender series, comes out on Tuesday. But there's a good chance I may rip it the next time I'm on the air because yeah. by the sounds of it, um. Oh, I don't like doing this kind of stuff, Sean. But by the sounds of it, it should be what the Ultimate Fighter. They should just cancel the Ultimate Fighter. What's the point of it now? Okay, so there's my first comment. Okay, that's probably what's going to happen. That's yeah, protecting your brand and saying, eh, no more Ultimate Fighter, but we have this now. So let's build this as the last season of the Ultimate Fighter gets pulled. We've got this now built up for the past six months. I was okay. told it's really cheap for them to produce too. It's their own product. That is correct. Okay. In their own gym. That is correct, which they own. Think, start with, doing, the Nevada yeah, State Athletic Commission, that is your fees. Okay. On your yeah. own network. Start doing the math, ladies and gentlemen. Start to, I, was, oh, yeah. I, was, I was this close, this close to messaging my, one of my producers that still works at Sportsnet and saying, do you remember? Can you find the tape? When I asked, when I told Dana White, have you ever thought about doing the Ultimate Fighter like the Contender, the very first season of the Contender, where they actually showed these fighters as human beings with stories and blah 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 blah, blah. and the guy and he ripped me apart. He ripped me apart, Sean, basically saying that it was the stupidest show ever, and that's why it failed. I said you should honestly think about it. Because it's worth it. When you tell stories of people's backgrounds, people will resonate with them. You know this already, Dana. Change it up. Just a thought. Stupid idea, Joe. All right. Then I had this thing with, uh, I won't name the president of Canada at the time. You already know, guys, who that is. Uh, It was a Canada series. 
It was a UFC Canada series. I'm not going to give away the blueprint, but it was basically tournament format across the country, which will eventually get you to the Kings of Canada that would get to the UFC. Long story short, blah, blah, it was laughed at. It was a contender series. That's why when you laughed at me the very first time this Dana White contender series came out, I rolled my eyes. I said, yeah, I bet it is coming out. I bet it is coming out. So anyways, uh, kudos. To, the other thing I don't like, okay, kudos to Dana for doing it. Forget it. Forget it. That's just my, my little little rant there. Kudos for doing it. The only other problem I have with this um, is that I almost feel like it's taking away from the regional promotions a lot of the regional promotions because they're there to develop those fighters to get to the UFC. Now I almost feel like there's a little small little block there before you get to the UFC, you got to fight on Dana White's contender series because there's so many events happening every Tuesday. Then you get to the UFC. Joe, my friend, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Give it. UFC follows the path of one thing. The WWE. On Wednesday nights at 8 p.m., WWE has NXT, NXT. on their network. Yes. With fire, with wrestlers from their performance center that is very cheap to produce, makes talent for them. It serves as an alternate brand to the WWE. The people who can pretend that they don't like the WWE and say, oh, I'm going to watch NXT. I'm so cool. <laughs> hip. UFC wants to be their own regional promotion. You know, it happens. It happens. But uh, let's talk about tough finale last night. Justin Gaethje. Man. Now, I was told that people in the UFC were super pissy at Michael Johnson throughout the week. Because I don't know if you saw, like, the inbred jokes he made at Justin Gaethje. I didn't see them. No, I I mean, I I saw some of the stuff. What the heck, man? Johnson was walking alongside Gaethje in uh, a hallway about a week ago and said, who did your mom have to screw to make you? Was it your brother or was it her brother or her dad? What did they? And he just kept on. It wasn't funny the first time he said it, but he said it over and over again. And I was told the UFC, like brass, were not happy about that. They weren't happy about the footage. They started to pull the footage uh, from, from YouTube when, whenever they could. But, uh, yeah, and I, I do have to say, though, Michael Johnson is like – he's like the step above Jim Miller. Mm-hmm. He's the type of guy you never know on any night who he'll win or lose to, but he can do it at a little bit of a higher level. He has top 10 level talent, but he fights really tough guys all the time, and he always, almost always gives them a fight. Uh, he even gave Habib a little bit of trouble until – Habib was holding him down, saying, give up. You know, I have to fight for the title. But, uh, man, Justin Gaethje has more heart than probably anybody I've ever seen compete in MMA. It's just like – well, and, and Dan Henderson and Shogun. Um, Justin Gaethje's performance. I mean, we, we all – I mean, anyone that's watched Justin fight, he's a bit of a loose cannon. <laughs> he takes shots he doesn't need to take. That's the stuff that's going to catch up to you later on in your career. Unfortunately, knock on wood, hopefully he's fine. But my goodness, did he put on the performance of a lifetime to come into the UFC and do what he did was just magical. He he was out twice in that fight, like game over twice in the fight. And he emerges victorious. Like 
that was that was a performance for the ages. I I, I still think Shogun, um, Shogun Dan Henderson in the UFC the first time they fought, greatest fight of all time was five rounds just of, of mayhem. This to me is close to, in, in my personal opinion. The other fight that I put up there is uh, Gilbert Melendez Diego Sanchez, and this fight here Justin Gaethje Michael Johnson. The only reason why I'll put the other fights above Johnson and Gaethje is because those ones went full fifteen minutes or 25 minutes this one here was a disaster for two rounds and almost yeah full two rounds of just craziness mayhem loved it unbelievable fight great fight i, I want to see them do it again at some point now you got gaichi just there in the conversation tony ferguson talking about fighting him to me you gotta do the you got well first of all you gotta do poirier alvarez again you gotta do habib tony ferguson you gotta do it but here's the thing I put Gaethje on the card fighting somebody, anybody, and if one of those two guys can't make it, you put Gaethje in there. Now, if Gaethje runs into Habib, something bad's going to happen because Habib can't take a Gaethje shot, and Gaethje can't take Habib's wrestling. He can't do it. So, But we have a real guy, a real new star right here, right? 28 years old, 18 and 0, the only World Series of Fighting lightweight champion ever. That was that was just an incredible fight. I love the way he throws leg kicks in at times you don't think that he that you could or would. And the thing is, they don't look like super powerful, but they're really effective because he doesn't telegraph them at all. And because he doesn't telegraph them at all, his opponent doesn't set doesn't prepare themselves for them at all. So uh man, over the hill about that. I was pretty well, excited it's, to see. It's real quick for you for that one there. Edson Barbosa doesn't have an opponent, does he? I don't think so. There is your fight card, Sean. It's a hell of one. Man, I want to see that all lightweight show. Barbosa so Gaethje. Ooh, buddy. How about Jesse Taylor? Hey, that's quite a story. Yeah, I mean, um, Jesse Taylor, when I first had a chance, uh, the very first time I met him and interviewed him uh, was when I did the Battleground show with. Um, legendary Jim Ross uh, and Chael P. Sonnen. Uh, and we were interviewing all the guys in the tournament, and Jesse came in, and I remember when I looked at him, I'm like, oh, my God, have you ever aged? Holy smokes, your face looks like you've been in wars. And I'm looking down at the sheets, the notes that I have, I'm like, oh, no wonder. Look how many fights you've had. So it's in this eight-man tournament. But by the end of the interview, I thought to myself, what a nice guy. Like, I didn't ha- – I didn't – the mistake he made when he was on the originals that that the original season when he should should have been in the Ultimate Fighter, I you forgive people for that. You're, they're stupid. They get drunk. They make mistakes. I looked at him. I thought to myself, I'm not really judging him, but man, with with no judgment, this guy just impressed me. Just a nice guy, super nice guy, and you know he showed it here and just persevered. Man, who would have thunk? I mean, if we ever told you, ever told you, did you piss off Frank Trade because he's texting me right now? Um, no, <laughs> who would have thought Jesse Taylor? I mean, if I told you Jesse Taylor one day is going to be back in the ult- in the UFC, he's going to win a season of the Ultimate Fighter, you'd have told me to go after myself. But here he is. Yeah. Jesse Taylor takes out Diego Lima by rear naked choke. That result is it well, overly? Well, let's be fair though. Junie was considered. Junie Browning was in in the running. He was. Uh, this guy. I mean, this is a guy who. Here's a here's a fun fact, Joe. In addition to his disclosed 31 and 15 record, a 
a fun and pretty impressive stat. 7-0 and in Ultimate Fighter exhibition fights. Mm. How about that one? 7-0. and Those are seven fights you won't see. Did he deserve to get cut from the UFC the first time? Yeah, because he, he screwed up. He kicked the window out of a limo. They, they said, all right, well, you're going to fight C.B. Dalloway when, when we bring you back. Okay. Hey, Triggs in the live chat. Be careful. He's, he's complimenting me, ripping you, and we're going to get – we're hopefully going to get – I got to check out Frank's schedule for, uh, for Tuesday because we're not sure what we're doing for the Tuesday podcast. But um, Frank would have been great tonight to talk about that Verdum fight. Uh, and the Herb oh, yeah. Dean, yeah, the Verdum overing fight and the Herb yeah. Dean going a little long on that finish there. But uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I, I, never, I never thought Jesse Taylor would be back in the UFC period, not because I didn't think that he could make it, but because of the fact that at some point he was just like, you know what, I'm going to fight anybody. Hector Lombard, Talis Leites, uh, Luke Rockhold. Yeah. David Branch. Uh, Mami Khalidov. Good God, man. And and even guys he beat like Kendall Grove, like they, he didn't care. And he talked about how he would go in five to six fight winning streaks. And then he would face these killers and he would lose. Good for him, man, because I heard rumors and I can't substantiate it. I haven't asked him, but that he was sleeping on a beach at one point. Jesus, That's man. But I, yeah, he's he fights like at least three or four times a year, every year. And he got a big payday out of it. it Two hundred ninety thousand will probably end up being more like one seventy after taxes, fees, and all that. But, but good for him. Uh, probably six fights, though. Yes, exactly. It's not as much as people think. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, ask Elias Theodoro. <laughs> Contracts. Yeah. Well, you can't. He'll get sued if you ask him. Too exactly. Much. Exactly. Yeah. Trig, what are you doing, so Trig? Yeah. Where are you? Oh, Trig. Don't worry about him. Who'd he ever beat? We got Sean <laughs> Ross Sapp on the show. Trig's my boy. What about Close and Jacasey, whose whose name I butchered last week, by the way? That's a fight I would like to see again just because of the emotion involved in it. And because of what happened to Jacasey so early in that fight. But that was a good one. It was a great fight, except I have zero respect for Close for what he said. Um I, I I don't know if it's me. I don't know. I mean, I hate putting up this wall that it's not even the Donald Trump wall. It's the well, you're 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 biased against Canadians. You love Canadians, right? So I don't I don't allegedly. Mean to be, I'm, I'm allegedly. still confused about that. <laughs> I where I come from, uh, I was born and raised. You never ever take shots uh, at a country. You never take shots at a group of people. You never you know. It doesn't matter what color, what creed, what. Just you, you take a look at the content of their character. You take a look at the person individually, and that's who, if you want to go after someone, that's who you speak about. You don't talk about where they're from, whether it's their town, their here in our case, the city, province, country, or outside of it. You never go after a nation. And when I see people do that, it drives me nuts. I think it's classless. I think what Tricard did saying, oh, what is he, all Englishmen are bums or something like that? Like, that's classless. Yeah. Bisping, ripping apart the Cuban flag. <laughs> That to me is classless. Or classless, you know. I, I don't like seeing that kind of stuff. So, whatever. And when the fight is done, it's done. Be humble, okay. I know. I know. Mark was saying some crazy stuff to him at the weigh-ins. I'm going to knock you out. Blah, blah blah blah. Even when they were sitting at the fighter meeting, I'm going to knock you out. Watch it. I'm going to knock you out. 
That's what fighters say and do. Frank Trigg said, don't make this a Commonwealth thing, Joe. Hey, I live in Kentucky, the Commonwealth of Kentucky, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought his, his attitude overall after the fight, I'm like, man, you're, I know he's, he's kind of young in his career. He's like nine, he was nine fights in, but he's a 29-year-old man. And he's acting like that to a guy like five years as junior, yeah. Andrew Casey. Yeah. Now I get it. It was an emotional situation, but I would love to see that one run back again. Jared Cannonier looked good. That poor, oh my God, his opponent. Jesus. He took an ass whooping. That poor Kept guy. Kept going, man. Nick Rorick is just a bad dude. Holy smokes. Yeah. So uh, shout outs to Cannonier. I'd like to see him in the. Uh, light heavyweight top 15 again. He's won three out of four. He, he only dropped a fight to uh, Teixeira in, in that stretch. And he went the distance with Teixeira. So something to be said about that. Angela Hill looked good. She needed to win that after dropping her, her UFC return. James Krause won, which he, I feel like he kind of needed. I don't know if he really needed to because that loss to Jesse Taylor doesn't look too bad now that Taylor won the whole thing. Uh, CB Dalloway won, but I think I think they'll keep Ed Herman around because he he doesn't fight a whole lot, and it feels like they're still like <laughs> paying Ed Herman back for that Strike Force fight that he took Oof. like four years ago. Like, hey, I, I know that this is kind of a bind. You're a UFC fighter, but nobody wants to fight on this Strike Force Strike Force card. Can you? Yeah, it's against Jacare, and he's like. Shit. <laughs> so I feel like they're still kind kind of paying him back. So he's getting his 50k to lose. He'll stick around. Um Gray Maynard controlled Ishihara, so they get to keep him around on fight pass shows for the next few years. Tisha Torres got her first finish ever. Surprise. That's promising. Yeah. Yeah. That's promising. But let's talk about Elias. You thought he lost. I thought he won. I believe he lost because he got so focused on the takedown in that third round that he forgot that all he had to do was sort of disengage and keep going, keep going. Because I think he was doing really good in the stand-up. I think he was just too focused on that takedown that the smallest of reversals, which is basically what Brad did, changed the fight completely in that round, cost him the fight, in my opinion. Um, I gave that third round to Brad Tavares, which gave him the fight. I had it 29-28 Elias. I didn't think that Tavares did anything with those early takedowns. And I, it's, it, I'm not going to pretend like it was a super eventful fight. Elias's fighting style bites him in the ass. I thought he looked much better comes, yesterday. I thought he looked better oh, than he did. the previous he fight. Did. Yeah. But I think it bites him in the ass on occasion because – what these judges see might may affect that they, or, or that may affect what these judges see rather. Sorry about that. I, I, it was a very close fight. I mean, I'm nothing terrible. It's not like robbery, anything like that, but I thought, I thought Elias edged it out. I, I can't seem to find my damn notes on the fight, so I can't offer any more insight, but yeah, a yeah, solid, a solid weekend of fights, a solid weekend of fights. Not as exhausting as last year. When we started the when we started these podcasts where we had three shows back to 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 back. Is it time to get rid of International Fight Week? I think so. 
unless the books, this- unless the financial books say otherwise, if they're making crazy ass money on international fight week, capitalizing on on the tourists, yeah, keep it. If they're making money, they're going to keep it. But other than that, you know, Joe, you could make like a show, a full show, a really good show based on the fight that was the fights that were supposed to happen. Shevchenko, Nunez, mm-hmm. Garbrandt, Dillashaw, mm-hmm. Cerrone, Lawler. Uh, the Rob Font fight was, uh, I think th- this fight was supposed to happen somewhere else or something like that. I, oh, I can't remember. I think, happen. Yeah, it was supposed to happen forever ago. But uh, uh, Jubon was supposed to fight on this. Sh- supposed to fight on uh, this show. Then yesterday, Aspen Ladd and Jessica I got pulled. Bossy was supposed to face Cannoneer. They had to replace him. Before we even get into last year, <laughs> that mess. And what about the year before that, with Aldo and McGregor? Like, yeah. it, it's time to let it go. It's time to let it go. I'm okay with the Hall of Fame and all that stuff. So that way you can give shine to people like Frank Trigg, I guess. <laughs> hey, man. Trigg deserves but, to be in the Hall of Fame. Trigg was the, yes, one does. of the original bad boys, man. Him and Tito Ortiz, and th- those were the guys that knew it way ahead of time. Yeah. Long before Chael Sonnen, long before Conor McGregor. They, they figured it out. Talk shit. Get some big fights. Do you think that Frank Trigg and Kurt Angle hang out, pretend to be each other, and like wear each other's Hall of Fame stuff? Since they're both in Hall of Fames. I'm going to go with what is no Alex for 500. You know, they pulled some of that trickery in TNA wrestling like a decade ago, right? What? Him and Kurt Angle. Really? Yeah. They like, did like a, they did a, a deal on TNA wrestling. Did I miss the yeah, boat Frank on worked a, Frank worked a match in TNA. Frank, did you? That shows you much wrestling. Why do I, I know. lie about that? No, I don't. Like I don't know my shit. You definitely know your shit. I'm just kind of like, I, I, I didn't know it. I'm just kind of like, whoa, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Frank worked a match against AJ Styles, who is like a top WWE star right now. It was at No Surrender in 2008. TNA No Surrender. <laughs> Frank said, I got a great trophy from it, but can't get tickets to the fights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Trigger's the best. What else, man? What else we got going on? Fightful.com. Obviously, we've got coverage of everything under the sun. we got great balls of fire on uh, Sunday. Fightfulpods.com. I'm doing all kinds of writing over there. Go over and use our forums, guys. I want us to like become the top forum online for combat sports, entertainment, anything. Go over there. Start a topic. I'm going to be doing giveaways, all that fun stuff. Uh, just share the share the website. Uh, Austin Aries asked for his WWE release. We're going to talk about that tomorrow on the Great Balls of Fire post show. Man, that's a dumbass name. AJ Styles won the United States title in a live event. Dixie Carter is going to be on a WWE production. This was supposed to be a quiet weekend. Alberto Del Rio is trying to fight the Usos and New Day and Triple H and all this stuff. And people are trying to tell me the Usos can beat a guy that's had 15 pro MMA fights and is president of Combates America and was supposed to go to the, the fucking Olympics as a wrestler, and you all are high off your asses if you believe that. <laughs> so th- th- these are the people I deal with, Joe. I love our readers. I love our viewers. But I had a guy, honest to God, telling me that the Usos, one of them could beat up Alberto Del Rio. And they're like, well, Alberto Del Rio was knocked out. And I'm like, well, something tells me that Jimmy Uso with zero pro fights 
ain't exactly prime Mirko Krokop. No. Negative. Negative, negative. Well, let me, okay. <laughs> Frank Trigg says this was a great storyline Vince Russo wrote for me in TNA. I need to get Trigg on a recording. We need to have that filmed for the list and your boy because Vince is also on our podcast network. That would be very interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to orchestrate something there. Do it. Trigg's got more stories than you can possibly imagine. He's just classic. Uh, before we let you, everybody go, uh, to enjoy the rest of their evenings or mornings in our case. Uh, Tuesday's edition of the Holy Smokes podcast will be an interesting mm-hmm. one because we have no idea what time we're going to start. Because yeah, there's, there's a certain. It starts at three. The, the, no, no, no. Rather, um, we got the schedule for the Mayweather McGregor thing. It looks like it's. We should be starting on time. It looks like it. But we, yeah, as you, sorry to cut you off. But just to let you know, it looks like we're going to be starting on time. But go ahead. Well, isn't the isn't – the, I mean, the schedule that I got, unless it's an updated schedule, they start yeah, after Okay, that's – well, here's the thing. It says the 2.30 is the live show, but 3 is the fighters and media only availability. This is for the Staples one. Yeah, and it looks like we're going to have guys – at Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday's pressers. Okay. Are you going Wednesday? Uh, if they come back to me with a yes, I will likely <laughs> go. Uh, I'm waiting to find out for that. For those that don't know, I do have personal commitments every Wednesday night, but this is kind of a big fight. Special. special. It's a special fight. I'm going to see if I can figure something out. Uh, but sorry, guys, from, from my understanding, and, and the reason why we're bringing this up is, you know, a lot of you folks that are tuned in right now, chances are I'll be tuned in on Tuesday and will expect us to come on at 3 o'clock. But from my understanding, um, we probably want to go on. We want We want this press conference to go off and then for us to come on afterwards and discuss the zaniness that is probably McGregor Mayweather. So, um, Needless to say, uh, we ain't going to be competing with Mayweather McGregor's first presser. That's not us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can count me out on that one. But we'll, I'm talking to a guy about going on behalf of Fightful Tuesday, hopefully Joe Wednesday, Carlos Toro on Thursday. Unfortunately, I wanted to get somebody there for Friday, but Joe Holbert has prior obligations. Constantine Eckner will be out of the country. So that's a bummer. We could have had somebody for all four days. But hey, if you're in London and you want to go on behalf of Fightful – Get at your boy. Get at your boy. Uh, also, no way in hell Alistair Overing deserves a title shot. That's it. Yeah. So that so you are right. Two thirty p.m. Pacific time, which is five thirty p.m. our time, uh, is when that kicks off. So looks like the yeah. Holy Smokes podcast. Uh, we can go live. Oh, sorry, we can go at three. Um, or Hopefully. we can go afterwards. But yeah, either yeah. way. Follow our social media, ladies and gentlemen. Sean Rossap at Sean Rossap, uh, Joe Ferraro at Showdown Joe, the lovely and talented at Frank Trigg, if you like, because uh, he may <laughs> join us on Tuesday, depending on what part of the world he's in. If he's not surfing, fishing, stunt driving, stunting, jumping off, getting punched in the face, he's pissed off that he didn't get a Damon Wayans role. I think because uh, Damon Wayans is like six foot nine in boots, so Frank's pissed. No, he's not. Uh, but yeah, we'll figure something out, guys. Uh, Sean, anything else you want to go before we close us off? That's it. Uh, like I said, guys, use our forums. Let people know about the site. We are one year old this week. I'm incredibly happy with the site. Love it. But want to see it grow. That way, 
That way, Jimmy Van can get his money back. That's it. And Frank Ve- or Frank Vegas. <laughs> Frank Trigg will be in Vegas. So we'll, uh, we'll have some good times with Frank, uh, likely on Tuesday. But to everyone else that tuned in, we thank you. We appreciate it. For those that are on afterwards, check us out on, on iTunes and on Stitcher. Thank you very much. As always, we do ask all you peeps in the live chat, thank you very much uh, for joining us. You guys are the best. For um, Make sure you tell a friend. I know Sean says to tell 10. Tell a friend. Tell people about us. We bring some different analysis here. Uh, obviously, with my experience, uh, my credentials, Sean has ex- exceptional credentials as well. Very educated. Guys like Frank Trigg, Sean Pearson, Elias Theodoro, Mark Hominick for us, a hobby joining us. Uh, the list is going to get bigger, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to have some fun. But for now, we do thank everybody. Make sure you follow us at Fightful Online uh, and at Fightful MMA, FightfulPods.com. Uh, we're having a great time. We're trying to get this to grow. And, and Jimmy Van. Get some money for this guy. Loves it. So all you guys out there and ladies, thank you very much. Until Tuesday, make sure you follow our social media in terms of the MMA content. We'll let you know what time we go live uh, for the Holy Smokes podcast. Till then, we say ciao for now. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.